This year we've been dealing with some smoke and wildfires from Canada. Over 20 million acres have already burned uh, there and the smoke has traveled more than 2,000 miles to the United States and really and through Europe. In, in general, fires consume over 35 um, 3,500 lives each year in America as homes and buildings and businesses are destroyed. Around 90% of wildfires are started by human uh, for various reasons. We're going to talk about some fire today. And I, I know it started by humans, but I can't wait for the Holy Ghost fire to come down and touch us all. A spiritual fire, a, a, a revival that takes place. Fire can be good things. Can do good things and it can do bad things depending on what it's doing and how it affects us. Fire can give us warmth and light and it helps purify and cleanse things. And we also know it can burn and it can damage, it can kill as well. And it can enable us uh, to sustain life or it can actually take life and, and destroy life. In the ancient war times, people would shoot arrows into the air to light things up to light people up, to light structures on fire. And they would burn down buildings, supplies, and, and livestock. And this can be done from a distance. Imagine for a moment if a hundred arrows were shot at you, or, or thousands of arrows, flaming arrows, were flying uh, right at you, towards you, in, in battle, all around you, hitting all around you, right? The fear, the confusion, the flames. It might cause you to put down your, your shield. It might cause you to run and go into hiding, actually exposing yourself to more damage and to more danger. And today we fight so many fights and wars from a distance too. Our modern weapons have more accurate ways of killing, more accurate ways of destroying and, and putting people in positions of fear and confusion and danger and taking life. And we have made them better and stronger of bombs and weapons and Fire and explosives can still do the damage um, of destroying camps and buildings and people and structures and setting communities on fire. And so while our equipment and our ability has changed uh, over the years, the, the, the methods often are similar. They were designed in many ways to cause fear, to kill and destroy life. Well, the enemy of this world, the enemy of our souls, confuses and wants to kill, steal, and destroy us as well. And he uses people. He uses things and situations to set us on fire. And he has been doing this for a long, long time. And he will adapt, conform, and, and make changes as needed. He studies his enemies. He hears what we're saying. And the end goal, well, that goal is the same, to destroy the work of the Lord. That's his goal. And he wants to set you on fire, not for life, but for death. Now, God wants to set us on fire, too, but he wants us to operate in Holy Spirit, fire, and power. And God's, uh, God's fire sustains. God's fire sustains life. His fire brings cleansing. His fire brings purity, right? His fire helps you. His fire guides you. His, his fire empowers you for greater things. And so today, we're going to speak about fire that brings life and death. And our part in extinguishing or sustaining them. That's our part. Will we, will we, will we go forward? Will we extinguish? Will, will we sustain these things? This title this message, are, are you putting out the fire? Are you putting out the fire? And I have two short ver uh, verses that I want to read to kick this off. If you could just stand in honor and respect of God's words. I'll just keep you standing just for a few more minutes. We'll be in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And then we'll be turning just for a second to John chapter 10. But we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6 looking at verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, which you can extinguish. And the King James Version says it this way, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And John 10, 10 says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, or to have more abundant life. And I don't know about you, but I want that abundant life. 
I want the, don't get so excited about that, but I want the abundant life. I, I hope you want that too. I hope you want to live in such a way that you have victory and have success. And that's what's needed to live the life of God that God has called us to live, the abundant life, the victorious life. And, and that is to live more abundantly in Christ Jesus. That is to follow the Lord's way, his will yeah. for, for each and every one of our, our lives. But the enemy of God is going to snuff you out. The enemy of God is going to bring it on. He's going to try to derail you. He's going to try to take you out. And if it's possible, he will even try to kill you or have you killed. And so what you do next, that's really up to you. Will you take up your shield of faith and stand your ground? Or will you put it down? What you do next often determines the outcome or success of the battles taking place in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this church, for your saints, for what you're doing here, oh God. Lord, we know there's battles. We know the enemy's real. And he really wants to destroy and hurt us. But you have come to give us life. You have come to set the captives free. You have come to save us. We put our trust and faith in you, O oh God. Mighty God, rescue us, save us, help us. Help us, Lord, to be battle ready. Help us, Lord, to use your resources rightly. Give us wisdom and discernment in the ways we ought to go. And may our faith and obedience lead us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, there are lessons. There are lessons learned in this book of Ephesians. It's a great book. If you haven't read it in a while, you should go home and read it this week. It's not a long, it's not a long chapter, uh, a long book at all. There's only a few chapters, several, I guess six chapters, whatever it is. Um, but chapter one gives us such great insight into our walk and relationships with God for those that are in the Lord. And these are important words for those that are in the Lord. For those that are in the Lord, he has work for you to do for those in the Lord. For those in the Lord, our position is known by God and he has supplies and blessings for us in the heavenly realm. And because so often of our lack of faith and prayer, they haven't been released on earth yet. Well, maybe it's because we're comfortable. Maybe it's because of complacency. So why do you need more from God? If we won't use it or, or honor what we already have from God, why do we need more? And why do we want more? We need to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We are chosen by God, called by God, redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Forgiven by the Lord, known by the Lord. And it's through the finished work of the cross that each and every one of us can find salvation. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And Paul starts off this great book by saying that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in uh, Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now don't miss that, that little phrase there, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, we receive salvation in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we gain the hope, the future, and we receive grace and peace in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, that he has plans and purposes for a life, and he will help us work them out as we are transformed and conformed to, the, to his purposes, to his will, to his ways, following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And know this, true peace only comes from God. True peace, real peace, everlasting peace comes from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And so many want to do this life without him and yet reap the benefits as if they were with him. That's good. That's good, Dame. Amen. Write that in your red book, bro. But it's impossible to please God or live for God rightly without being in Christ. It's impossible. Without Him leading you, without having faith in God, without the power of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you, leading us and guiding us, you will fail and you will fall short in this life and the life to come. 
It's just a matter of time. The enemy of your soul is strong and wants to take you out. Wants to take your life from you. He wants you off mission. He wants you to abandon your post. He wants you to give up and retreat. That's what he wants from you. Instead of you standing up and, and, and being strong in the Lord and walking in your faith, he wants you to sit down and do nothing. He wants you to stay silent. He wants you to not live the victorious life, the abundant life in Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, like Paul. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, which he has called you, the riches of this glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus that we have power. It's in Christ Jesus that we have authority. In Christ Jesus, we have the power to stand against the enemies of God. It's in Christ Jesus that we have the power to put out the fiery thought darts, power to be victorious, power to overcome and defeat this enemy. And once we are in Christ Jesus and start to know and experience his glory, the world loses its attraction. The, the world loses that that power over us, that appeal over us. Oh, I want more from the world. No, I want more from Christ. I want to do more for Him. And as we do more for Him, this world will get better. Right now it's getting worse. We will desire more of God's will. But that doesn't mean there won't be a struggle. That doesn't mean there won't be a battle. That don't, won't mean that, that those desires for those addictions and that stuff might come back up. That doesn't mean we won't suffer any loss. That doesn't mean that you, will, that you will always win and be victorious. Especially when you put down your shield. And it doesn't mean the enemy of God will not shoot fiery darts or fiery arrows your way. In fact, we know that in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. The church should say amen right there. It's a great place to say amen. He will overcome. He has overcome. <coughs> Speak about the hostile fire. Fiery arrows of the attacks from the enemy. How does the enemy attack us? Well, he attacks us in just so many ways. He attacks our mind. He attacks our heart. He attacks our home. He attacks our family. He attacks our friends and those around us. He will use people and things and leaders and, and nature and a host of other things. To, to, to Demons are at his becking call. He has the power. In fact, he has power to affect nature. We read about that in the book of Job. But remember this, he's not all powerful. Hallelujah. He's not all powerful. He's not everywhere. He doesn't know all things. Only God is everywhere. Only God knows all things. Only God can do everything. Hallelujah. So the devil's limited in his power. Satan, the devil, it's a is a created being, a fallen angel, a deceiver, and a liar, and the accuser of the brethren. And his goal is to stop you, to block you, to hinder you, to trip you up, and to destroy the works of God and destroy the works that you are putting forth through Christ Jesus. Now prior to Satan's fall, he appears to be a high-ranking angel in heaven. He seems to be the maybe the leading worship person in heaven. Satan was an anointed cherub. You could argue if that's an angel or not. I'm not going to argue. And about uh, his appearance was glittered with the various colored stones that adorned him. You can read more about that in, in Ezekiel chapter 28 when you have some more time. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall. And Satan wants to be equal or greater than God. And when he couldn't have that, he rebels against God. And Satan falls from grace. He lost his position in the heavenlies. And now he made his calling, his life calling to attack God and the people of God. And we see that first started in Genesis and it, uh, he led Adam and Eve to fall and to go astray. And now he continues to, to go after the church, the bride, the body of Christ. And he wants us to fall and go away and go astray. He continues to do this. Satan wants to destroy the church. Satan wants disunity in the church. Satan wants 
uh, disunity in the body of believers in the process. And he does this in so many ways. He wants us to have fear and doubt and confusion. He wants us to want what someone else wants. He, he doesn't want us to want what we want. He doesn't want us to walk in our calling. He wants us to walk in someone else's lane. So many people want to be someone other people. So many people want to walk in someone else's lane and authority. He wants us to have doubt. He wants us to give up and quit. To give up on ourselves, to give up on his church, to give up on his bride, to give up on the body of believers. He wants to close down the churches all across America and around the world. That's what he's out to do. Don't, don't lose sight of this church. And so we capitulate and give in to these things. Oh, COVID has shut it down. Oh, this is here, shut it down. Many, many places around the world are still shut down. But the church of God, his church, he will build his church. Hallelujah. He will build his church. He will build his church. Hallelujah. If you don't get excited about that here, I don't know where you're going to get excited about that. Hallelujah. How does he do this? Well, he's the student of God's creation. He's been around doing this, this tactical stuff for generations and generations. He watches for a moment of our weakness and then he pounces. He listens to what we say, our fears, our grumblings, our doubts. And then he whispers thoughts of anger and frustration into our mind. How does he do it? But he does it. He disguises himself in light. Right? He masquerades as an angel of light. He twists the truth in ways that fools even the most holy of, of people and the holy at times. He's a master manipulator. I bet that you can think at times that all of a sudden you suddenly felt anger. Or you were reminded of someone that hurt you. Someone that you've forgiven a long time ago. Now, you, now, now that all comes back up again. And, or maybe something that you did wrong. Or even thought these thoughts that came to your mind. And you know, hey, that's not my own thought. And you know that those thoughts are not from God. Now he gets you to start thinking you're the problem. It's on you. You're the problem. Or it's your spouse is the problem. Or your, or your parent. Or your boss. Or your children. Or maybe the person sitting right next to you. Or in the next row from you. Which is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians to take every thought captive. Yeah. Hostile fire. Fiery arrows of attacks from the enemies are constantly coming our way and bombarding us. Even when we don't realize it, billions of bits of information are hitting our brain. Whether we can understand it or not, it's happening. Check your phone, check these electronic devices that are being hit with billions of bits of information. That's in the natural realm. Can you imagine the spirit, spirit realm? Now we touched on the how and why somewhat uh, why these attacks are happening. Let's, let's talk more about how we stop him or resist him. Ephesians 6.16, I love this portion of scripture. In addition to all these things that I've spoken about, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Quench all, quench all the fire, fiery dots of the wicked. This fire we want to extinguish, amen? This is the fire we want to extinguish. It's not healthy fire. It's, it, it's a fire that's aimed to steal, kill, and destroy us. So are you putting out... The fire of those flaming arrows that are aimed at you or not? Are you letting the enemies win the battle for your mind, your heart, and ultimately your soul? On the other hand, there's another fire that we have to cultivate. But I think sometimes we have this stuff backwards and we're guilty of putting out the wrong fire. So instead of hostile fire, we need Holy Spirit fire. Hallelujah. Well, you're not excited enough. I hope, I hope online you're listening and you're like, yeah, we want Holy Spirit fire. Right? <laughs> we set this world ablaze. We need power from on high to be released in us and through us. We need firepower. Firepower cultivates a, a lifestyle of faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ephesians 4 and 5 tells us, chapters 4 and 5 tells us about the unity of believers who are the body and bride of Christ Jesus. We are to live a life worthy of the calling which we have received in Christ Jesus. We are to walk 
and live according to his word. We are to work and equip the saints of God for works of service, not for Sunday service. What? To works of service. But those works of service must go beyond Sunday, right? It must be part of our lifestyle. We do it in our love and our liberty. Our faith and works must go beyond these walls. We are to gather, grow, and go. We are to gather, grow, and go. We gather and connect with God with, and with other like-minded saints of God. We connect to God in love. We connect to people and have relationships with them. We connect through ministry as well. Love God and love people. Love ministry. I hope you get that. Some simple phrases I've been repeating over and over, but we need to get it. Look at the board. Love God, love Christ, our people make disciples. We have to connect with God. Love God. Love people. Love ministry. Grow in your faith. Grow in fellowship. Grow in the focus. And go in Holy Spirit, power, purpose, and passion. But all this must be done in Christ. In Christ Jesus. Again, nothing will last apart from him. So these chapters are speaking about the walk and work of the believer. We ought to be the light of the world. We ought to be the imitators of God. We ought to model Christ in all that we do. We ought to live a life of love, but not any love. We ought to, to love others with a God type of love, an agape love. And we ought to expose, expose darkness to light. And then as we get deeper to get into chapter 6, it starts speaking about children and obeying and honor their parents. And slaves obeying and respecting their masters. All of us are to serve others in some capacity. We are to be serving the Lord. We are to work unto God, not men. And while we work and for the boss and for these things, we are actually working for God. Don't lose sight that your, your, your work, your ability to work, your ability to, to have wealth or anything is because God allowed it. Because God allowed it. Then it segues into finally, finally, after all these things that we've just been speaking about, but not, not just. This is all inclusive. Would all of this stuff be strong in the Lord? Would all this stuff walk in His mighty power? It's good stuff. Don't allow the enemy to stop you, block you, or hinder you. Don't allow him to take you off Mission, don't allow it. Be strong in the Lord and, and His mighty power. How do we do this? Well, again, it can't be done on your own. That's the problem. Too many think we can do this on our own. We can do this alone. I can do it by myself. I can do it my own way. It can't be done on your own. It can't be done that way. You don't have the power. You don't have the authority. You don't have the ability. You don't have the skill set to do this life on your own. It must be done in Christ Jesus. It yes. must be done through his power yes. and through his authority. Amen. And he has given us provisions, authority, and power to fight against the fiery thoughts of the enemy. He's given us tools and resources to fight off this devil and his demons. And by the way, it's not done through binding the strong man. Uh, if anything, the strong man, the demon, is driven out by the power and the authority of God, not the power and authority of man. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. It'll give you some more insight into that. But I do believe that our prayers of faith in, in accordance, in agreement with Scripture and with God's will can move the Spirit of God into action. Hallelujah. They need coffee today, man. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to yell to the church, wake up. Maybe after standing on your feet for 30 minutes of worship, makes you tired. But it, 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 it jacks me up. It gets me excited. It makes me want to sing and shout. It makes me want to dance. Watch. Did you, did you see me dance? That's how some Italians do it. You know, like, hey, hey, my feet don't move. You know, we just rock and roll. Anyway, just trying to liven it up a little bit. Lord, come quickly. Help us, Lord. Now, Ephesians 6, verse 11 through 14 says... Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Putting on the armor is something that you must do for yourself. 
it's operating in faith. It's partnering with God. It's, it's depending on his provision and his resources. You put it on. You have an active role in putting on uh, 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 this, these, this armor and picking up uh, these shields and these weapons. For us, struggles not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it's coming, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand firm then. Evil will come your way. These, his schemes will rise up against you. They will rise up against God. They will rise up against his church and they will rise up against you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is not against people or even flesh, even though so often that's how we operate. That's what appears. The devil will use good people at times to do his bidding, even if they don't realize it. And often people give in to the demonic, to darkness. They don't even realize it. I won't go into that today, but man, the things that we do and what we say and, and some of the Actions that we take and what we let into our home and into our computers and our TVs, just to list a few. We are up against the devil. We are up against darkness. We are up against demons and fallen angels. And we have a list of the agents or entities or classes of evil listed here. Rulers, authorities, powers of the stark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. I didn't make that up, that's scripture. In the church world, we seem to break it down into two camps, good versus evil, angels versus fallen angels, or as many call demons. But the truth is God is a creative God and he's made various beings, being of different strengths and functions or different ranks and powers. And while we often just say angels and demons, there's so much more to the story than that meets the eye. We need to really know that because it's, it's just neat and clean to say angels and demons, oh my. In fact, often this realm is the unseen realm. We often feel it, sometimes we sense it, but many will never see it. Our eyes, our minds, and our hearts are often closed-minded to the spiritual things. We simply don't see into the spiritual realm unless God opens our eyes. And when God opens our eyes, we can see into the spiritual realm, and he can allow us to see uh, these things. And if he did, we would see a mighty battle taking place. We would see angels and demons fighting. It would blow our mind. We would see creatures and powers that might put fear in our, in our hearts if we focus on them instead of focusing on God. But that's not how we're supposed to operate in fear, right? So we're not to operate in this life by living in fear or focusing on these things, but on Christ Jesus. His word says, fix our eyes and gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. Fix our eyes on Christ. We to be moved and motivated by the power and the authority of God. You got to get that church. And when you get that church and you start operating in that power and the authority, lives will change. Lives will be transformed. Earth will look different. You will see into the spiritual realm and you start saying, it's not by my, not by my power, right? It's not by the things that we want to do. It's by God's power, by God's authority. Lives are transformed and a situation changes. Hallelujah. James 4 verse 7 says, submit to God, then... Right? Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We submit to God in faith. But so many people simply think that they can resist the devil on their own with natural tactics. You can't. He's too powerful and sin has too much of a grip on us. It's too strong. We must obey God and submit to God first. Power up with his protection, power up with his army, with his word, with his resources first. That's how we combat and fight the devil and his, and his demons and darkness. Many of us have never even seen the devil. You, people make up these stories because they, they just don't really understand. But there's only one devil. We, well, we might say, hey, those are devils. 
We use that language. But Lucifer, the devil, there's only one. Many of us have never seen him. Right? Now I know many of us, uh, a lot of people were, were found in dark places. Some, some have confronted demons. Most of us have never dealt with the devil himself face to face. He's too busy with worse sinners. Um, but the truth is, he's concerned about your salvation. What? Is that, is that true, Pastor? He's concerned about your salvation? Don't get me wrong. He wants to see you fall and get off track. He will send people to attack you, demons to oppress you. He wants to derail you. He wants to take you off track. He wants to take you off mission. He wants you to fail. He wants you to turn against God, turn against his church, and turn against his leaders. And our job is to resist him in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our first job, submit to God, operate in faith. When we do this, the Lord will give us power, authority, and direction. He will give us strength and resources to fight and combat sin, demons, and evil. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord, church. Stand firm in the Lord. The Word of God says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not our might, His might. He's the one who makes us strong. He's the one who makes us the victor. Now we're going to focus on faith in just a, a bit longer, but even though Paul would speak about other pieces of armor, we'll briefly come back to that in a moment, but now he's speaking about faith. In Ephesians 6.16, in addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Again, attacks will come your way, but you take up the shield of faith. Now, just so you know, this, the Roman soldiers had a couple of different shields. This is not uh, the small Roman shield, right? The small shield. This is the larger one. This covered most of the body. It was typically made out of wood and leather, and it was able to block, quench, extinguish the flaming arrows uh, or darts of the enemy. Now, Paul is using this imagery uh, here to encourage you and me that we have weapons that can fight with and extinguish certain attacks from the enemy. Usually frontal attacks. There's no equipment below the knees. There's no equipment in the back. So it's mostly frontal attacks because we're not supposed to be running away. We're supposed to be standing firm or going forward. It requires faith. It requires us to stand firm, to, to hold the line and to hold it up, the shield, and not give in or quit. Satan will shoot those arrows our way. And he will have people question our leadership and ability and authority. He will have people question your, your loyalty and, and, or threaten your marriage or friendship. He will place people or things in your way to cause you to stumble and fall. He will put certain temptations in your way to derail you, discourage you, and, and have you yield to sin. But Christ in you stronger than anything in this world, right? John 15, 5 says it this way, apart from me, apart from God, you can do nothing. We have to stop going forward in faith, in faith. It's faith in God. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in the person not just in faith. So we must remain in Christ Jesus and we must have faith that lasts and not wavers. The shield of faith was meant to extinguish these fiery darts or arrows from the enemies, but, but will you hold it up? Will you hold it up? Will you place it in front of you? Will you trust God's equipment and processes or will you put it down? Will you run and hide? Will you give up ground to the enemies of God to have this equipment and not use it? Or not use it rightly or wisely is a lack of faith and understanding. It's ignorant and dangerous and can cost you your life, your future, and so many other things. It can block and hinder the church growth and next steps. With faith and obedience, the Jericho walls come tumbling down. The Red Sea splits. The Jordan River dries up. With it, the skies hold back the rain, and with it, dry bones come alive. With it, we gain eternity and everlasting life with God. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without our shield of faith, right, without it, we will not be able to put out those fiery darts. Hebrews 11, if you have your, your Bibles or, or, or phones, whatever, it's a great faith chapter. I won't take time to read it all, but I do want to read some of it, and I will read it fast. Hebrews 11, now faith is being sure of what? We hope for and certain for what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand the universe was formed by, at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was visible. Was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he's dead. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God has taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Man, I wish God would say that about all of us. That we please God and without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are we doing that? Verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about these things, yet not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith, by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed by faith and went. Though he did not know where he was going, he went by faith. He lived by faith. He breathed by faith. He moved by faith. It's all about Faith, obedience to God mixed with faith in God is a powerful force to reckon with. Yes. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us operate in faith. Pick up the shield of faith. Yes. Use our shield to extinguish, right? to put out, to quench the attacks of the enemy. Our job is simply obey God's words. Be people of action. Be people of faith. Be people of purpose. That's something we do. It's God's armor built and designed for each and every one of us. But we must wear it. We must put it on. Right? We must activate it. Many people did great things because they operated in faith. They held up their shield. They obeyed God in their love and devotion to Christ Jesus. Such powerful and encouraging chapter to read. Whenever you're tired, whenever you're weary, whenever you're downcast, whenever you're discouraged, read that chapter 11 of Hebrews, right? Let it be inspired uh, to keep pressing on to greatness. God is with you. Amen. Who can be against you? We are typically our worst enemies, right? Our mind will, will deceive us as we yield or receive the lies of the devil. Remember, it's not hearing the lie that causes us to be deceived. It's when you receive it. It's when you embrace it. It's when you own it. You become deceived, and then you yield to sin. And when that happens, you take off your armor in many ways. You stop picking up your shield of faith, and you start saying things like this. What does it matter? Who really cares? Prayer doesn't work. Been there, done that doesn't work well I can tell you for sure whatever that is to you whatever whatever's going through your mind during that moment it wasn't you operating in faith and why can I say that because God's words are true and God's words won't go void amen. his promises are yea and amen, amen right and every one of his promises are going to come true and he tells us to submit to him that means operating by faith because it's not always going to be easy sometimes it's going to make it's going to be a mess and so often it just won't make sense. But submit to him anyway, right? Lean not on your own understandings and always acknowledge him. He will direct our path. Submit to him anyway. Resist the devil. He will flee. Too often we don't do that. Too often we won't do that. We do our own thing. And then we blame God for our future, our failures, and our lack of strength. Now we have to operate with all of the armor of God. Faith is just one weapon against Satan and his minions. And we actually need to put on the full armor of God, not just some of it, but or just a part of it, but all of it. So Paul 
who wrote this scripture about the armor of God was probably shackled between two Roman soldiers. He was looking at their equipment, the way it was placed on them, the order they put these things on, how it looked, and he started thinking about some of the purposes of it. And he spoke about the belt of truth. This went around his waist and held his clothes together and his sword in place. It allowed the soldier to move more freely, but it's also about understanding the things of God and life and having a steadfast character. There was the breastplate. And this would, again, help against a frontal attack. But the breastplate of righteousness stands for purity and the good life in Christ Jesus. It's about living a holy life, absorbing criticism and persecution that's going to come your way. Socrates says this, the unexamined life is not worth living. And before service is over, and before we receive communion, you'll have an opportunity to examine your heart and your life. And those who have received Jesus will be asked to speak to him from your heart. If you've never received him, speak to him from your heart. And invite the Lord to be Lord of your life. And those who are believers will be encouraged also to examine their heart and their life as well. We'll also be encouraged to pray for others. Don't just be selfish Christians. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for souls. Ask God to forgive you. If you find sin in your, in your after examining yourself, and you find sin, repent for it and ask God to forgive you. And then turn away from it and turn towards God. Repentance is not just God forgiving you of what you have done in the past. You are supposed to stop sinning. You are supposed to stop doing those sinful actions. Sure, we're going to fall from time to time. We're going to make mistakes from time to time. Right? He, he who has no sin is a liar. But our heart should want to stop our sinful actions. It should bother us when we sin. And I'll tell you, when you sin and it doesn't bother you, you'll become callous and cold. If, if, if not, if that's not your true desire to change, then you really haven't truly repented. And maybe you're really not saved either. You're actually deceiving yourself still. And I also want to say that the life we live if it's not Christ-centered, it's not worth living at all. In fact, until we're in Christ Jesus, we are really the walking dead. We are truly spiritually dead. It's not until we receive Christ Jesus that we're alive. And then our life takes on new meaning. And, and how we live matters. It matters to God. It matters to others. It should matter to us as well. And we are to live pure and holy lives, pleasing unto God, not unto men. We're not always gonna please people, but it's unto God. The Roman soldier had sandals, often with spikes or stuff on the bottom of it, uh, that they, uh, and, they, and they wrapped up their ankles as well. This gave mobility and stability and allowed them to stand firm even when the ground was slippery or extra support when they were taking a long uh, journey and they were fitted for them. And we had to stand firm in our walk and our journey with God obediently working, serving, giving, going. The journey can be hard. The journey can be dangerous at times, but it's worth it because he's worth it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. When you're doing the will of God, you will have peace. When you're operating according to the, the will of God, you will have peace even in the midst of trials and struggles. When you see the Lord, when you, when you are wearing his armor, you find peace. It finds you. And you start living pure and holy life. You will start then putting on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And his words and Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. That's one reason that I'm constantly saying, read through the Bible at least once in your, in your life, cover to cover. Then I say, do it again. Again, reading through it is not uh, a thorough study that's simply giving you the big picture. And we know that God can do a miracle, right? We know he does miracles. Um, but how does he bring back something to re uh, remembrance when you refuse to read and study it? It's a, it, it? He needs to do a miracle because you're not doing the basic things he's called you to do. It only takes 15 minutes a day to read through the entire Bible in a year. And in 72 to 75 hours, my youth will know this. In 72 to 75 hours, you can listen to the entire Bible. So anytime you say, I can't do it, 
It's just an excuse. The truth of the matter is take three days of your life, listen to it nonstop, and you can say I did it once in my life. Don't do that every day though. It's not practical, right? And so often it makes me pause when people just say they're sold out to God. I'm sold out to God, but I never read the Bible. I'm sold out to God and never read through the Bible. I'm just saying read it. Reading through the Bible does not make you a Christian. You need to know that too. But how can you be a true disciple of Christ, a follower, a learner, and not be reading the Bible, uh, at least regularly? Why wouldn't you want to know his truth, his words? If you're a new believer, make it your point to read the Bible cover to cover at least once in your life. If you're an old believer and you've never done this before, shh, don't say anything to anyone else. Just read it right away and get it done. Remember thy word have I hid in my heart so I don't sin against thee. King James. Anyway, that's an in-house thing. But um, if we don't know his word, we are more prone to sin. That's how simple it is. That's how simple it is. This walk can be hard because we're not following the Lord's ways. Now, prayer is another weapon, and some people might argue or debate that it's not part of the armor, but prayer can be offensive and defensive weapon. The scripture says, uh, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So we ought to pray for protection. We ought to pray for boldness. We ought to pray for wisdom. We ought to pray for each other. We ought to pray for victory. We ought to pray that we should declare his words fearlessly. There's so many things that we should be praying for. Pray for our leaders, pray for our government, pray for those in authority, pray for harvesters, right? Pray for your country, pray for your church, pray for your home, pray for your children, right? Pray that the Lord will save souls and, and that miracles will happen and lives will be transformed by the power of God. Pray that darkness will be pushed back. Pray that these things will take place. Pray that God's kingdom will advance and grow. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Remember, if God's kingdom is growing, then by default, Satan's kingdom is shrinking. It's diminishing. And Satan wants to delay the Lord's return so he can take on as many people as captive and as prisoners as possible in the process. And the longer that he and his crew is loosed and running around on the earth... Right? There will always be victims and always be losses. But as we rise up, an army of disciples wearing God's armor, willing to do battle and fight the good fight of faith, souls will be won to the kingdom of God and transformed by the power of God. Amen. And miracles will take place beyond that. You want a miracle? I do too, in so many ways. But a soul that comes into the kingdom of God a heart transformed by the power of God, breaking the chains, that's a miracle. Thank you, Don, for the one amen. We fight on our knees. Amen is saying we agree. I don't need it, but we need it. We need to hear amen sometimes because sometimes when the word is going out and people are doing something significant and we don't agree, Or we agree internally, nobody knows that we're on the same team. Go to any baseball game, football game, and you'll know who, who you're voting for, who you're cheering for. Are you defeated? Are, how are you expressing yourself? You don't think the devil hears? He knows. Fight through on your knees. Fight on our knees. We fight through in worship. We fight through interceding in prayer on behalf of your family and friends and those who are lost. We fight in the spirit realm with weapons not of this world. Before we get to uh, transition to community, uh, communion, let me give you some scriptures fast. Write this down. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. These weapons... 
We fight with our not weapons of this world. On, con on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ Jesus. We need faith to extinguish the attacks of the enemy. We also need Holy Spirit power. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, power and fire came down from heaven, right, on all who those who were in the upper room. They were praying and worshiping God. They were in agreement and in one accord. In Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All were filled, all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We know through Scripture that they were already Christians at this time. So the upper room was made up of more than just 12 apostles. And they were all gathered together praying, constantly praying for each other as well. And I think we're often so fast to leave the church, maybe to go to eat or go to the beach or whatever else people do on Sunday. But these believers, they prayed and they prayed again and they prayed some more and they gathered together and they were in agreement in so many ways. And there were around 120 disciples in this upper room praying and praising God and the fire of God fell on all of them and they were all filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in this supernatural prayer language. And I believe God can do this again in our time and in our season in which we live in. And His Spirit is being poured out on the young and the old. And it's a worldwide mission and a worldwide pouring out. And it's happening today. And Peter tells us what that experience was all about because people questioned the disciples, they questioned the apostles, and they are still questioning it today. Peter says in Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. We are still living in these last days. And God is still baptizing and filling people in his power. And not only in other parts of the world, but in this country, and it's happened in this church in recent weeks as well. While not everyone will experience these gifts from God, I do believe it's for everyone, for every believer. Jot some of this down in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 goes into more details. For everyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but God. And verse 4 says, he speaks in a tongue, edifies himself. Why would you not want to be edified before God? Why would you not want that? Why would you not want a supercharged prayer language, um, an intimate language before you and God to be edified? Why would you, anyone want to silence that prayer language? You shouldn't, but people do it. Why? Often lack of faith, lack of understanding, bad training, lack of knowledge of scripture. They don't believe it's for today. Paul says in verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I think he was saying currently, while I'm speaking to the, the church of Corinth, he's saying, I speak in tongues more than everyone. And we only get to the fact that of prophecy. I, I don't understand that. It's true. He starts speaking about prophecy and addressing the entire church congregation as a whole. But he's not saying that the special prayer language in a church service should stop. He's saying this special prayer language will edify you. And when you prophesy in a church service, it will edify the congregation, not just you. You see the difference? It's so simple. I don't understand how we mess that all up. But lack of faith often blocks these things from happening. So when our shield of faith is used properly, it will extinguish the fiery darts and arrows of the enemies. Trust the shield, or rather, trust God's process and, and the weapons he gives us. They will be used for defensive me measures. But our shield can also, of faith can also be used for offensive measures. Not just defense, but offense. Yeah, we can block the advancement and put out fires, but we could also use it for an attack. The people of faith are called to stand firm. They're called to prayer and fasting. They're called to stand strong in the Lord, right? To operate in faith, to depend on God in the process. And I wonder, are you putting out the fire from the enemy? Are you putting out your own fires? Your own fire of faith? Are you found retreating or advancing? Do you understand, even understand that there's a battle of life going on and the life for others? It's a battle for your life. 
The battle is real, and Satan really wants to hurt you and harm you. I don't want to scare anyone, but that's what he wants to do. He wants you to be a victim and have a victim mindset. So you quit, so you give up on God, so you start calling him names. What will you do with your shield of faith? Will you stand firm? Will you fight the good fight of faith? First Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Do it! Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In a way, water baptism. What are you doing? You putting out the enemy's fire or your own fire? Or worse, are you blocking, hindering others from growing in their faith and knowledge of God by your actions? Let's pray. Father God, as we move into this time of communion, let us examine our hearts, oh God. Let us know that it is by faith in you, faith in you and you alone that we're saved. And we're set free from the bondage and strongholds of the enemy. As we repent, Lord God, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Purify us, oh God. Help us, Lord, to use your weapons of prayer, faith, breastplate of righteousness, rightly. Bless us now, God. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who are here or might be listening online and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know him, you can know him today. Heaven or hell awaits you. I choose heaven. I choose Jesus. So before we take communion, Know that this part of the service is really for the believer. I know a lot of churches are seeking sensitive churches, and I get that, but I don't know how when they're seeking and not saved, you serve them all communion. I, I don't understand that. So I, I'm really not a, we're really not a seeker sensitive church, but we are people who want to seek Jesus. So come as you are. Don't stay as you are. Come seeking, but then receive Jesus. It's so important. The Bible tells us that if we take communion wrong, that's why many are sick. Some even die when we do it in an unworthy fashion. If you don't know Jesus, receive him today. Speak to him from your heart. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just that will forgive you of your sins. Jesus, forgive me for those that are not Christians. Lord, I want to receive you today. Forgive me of my own sins. I know you came to this earth because you loved us, born of a virgin. You died on the cross so I can live and have eternal life, forever life with you. I invite you into my heart to stay. Help me win the battles against the darkness. I dedicate the devote my life to you from this day forward. Amen. As the believer is praying, not only for themselves, but for those around them, as they're examining their hearts and their minds and repent, we now make ourselves available to receive communion as a body of believers. So by now, you would have received your communion cup and bread. This bread is symbolic of the body of Christ that went to the cross, beat, battered for us. He died for us so we can live and have eternal life. Father God, I pray for this bread. So thankful, Lord, for it. So thankful, Lord, you went to the cross for us. You loved us so much. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Blessed in Jesus' name, amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Let's break it together. And take Eve, this is my body that was broken for you. Let's do this in remembrance to him.
This is symbolic, this cup, of his blood that was shed on the cross. And we know there's healing in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? We can claim that even now for those who might be sick, for those who might be hurting. You can claim this now. Jesus is the great healer. Jesus is the great physician. Jesus is who we turn to in times of trouble. Thank you for this cup, God. Bless this cup. In Jesus' name, amen. And after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the New Testament covenant in my blood. This do often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We, we remember the Lord's death until he comes. Let's do this together. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Will you stand with me? Let's reflect on this question this morning before we go. Are you putting out the right fire? And let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and show us the answer to that question. To set our hearts on fire as we glorify Him. Jesus, set my heart on fire. You are worthy of every breath.
May we glorify God in our life. May we be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto you, O God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we will wear our armor and hold up our shield of faith as we go out to be productive warriors for you. Protect the church. Protect your children. Rise up an army of believers willing to serve, willing to give, willing to go, willing to do what you call them to do, oh God. And as we grow a strong church, we will grow strong families and communities in the process. May we bless you in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in the faith and the knowledge of Christ.